Emma, Volume 1, Part 3, Chapters 7 through 9. In Chapter 7 of Volume 1, Emma learns that her friend Harriet has received a letter of proposal from Mr. Martin. The chapter is devoted to the letter and its consequences. Emma is rather surprised to read the letter when Harriet brings it. The style of the letter was much above her expectation. There were not merely no grammatical errors, but as a composition, it would not have disgraced a gentleman. The language, though plain, was strong and unaffected, and the sentiments it conveyed very much to the credit of the writer. It was short, but expressed good sense, warm attachment, liberality, propriety, even delicacy of feeling, end quote. This last item, delicacy of feeling, is one of the marks of gentility, so these are all good indicators that there is more to Mr. Martin than she has expected. There follows a discussion about how Harriet will respond to the letter. Despite her constant protests that she cannot advise Harriet, Emma very subtly does influence her. First, she says that Harriet has to answer him speedily, and when Harriet asks what she should say, Emma tells her friend that she should be clear and should express gratitude and concern for the disappointment she is inflicting. It is at this moment that Harriet realizes what Emma means. You think I ought to refuse him then, said Harriet, looking down. Emma pretends or acts like she had understood all along that it was Harriet's intention to refuse Mr. Martin. Clearly, Harriet did not feel that way until Emma began to subtly persuade her to refuse Mr. Martin's proposal. About four times in this passage, Emma claims that, I shall not give you any advice, Harriet. I will have nothing to do with it. This is a point which you must settle with your feelings. But Emma is very much influencing her friend. Emma even says, If you prefer Mr. Martin to every other person, if you think him the most agreeable man you have ever been in company with, why should you hesitate? This is an obvious ploy to plant doubts in Harriet, and it succeeds. The narrator says, The symptoms were favorable. Instead of answering, Harriet turned away, confused, and stood thoughtfully by the fire. Emma waited the result with impatience, but not without strong hopes. End of quote. So, through Austin's free indirect style, we get some of Emma's thoughts that she is really hoping that Harriet will turn down Mr. Martin. Emma proceeds to help Harriet write the rejection letter, even while constantly insisting that she is not going to help her. A final moment of persuasion occurs when Emma points out to Harriet that if Harriet were to marry Mr. Martin, Emma could not visit her. The prospect of this is astonishing and frightening to Harriet. You could not have visited me? she cried, looking aghast. No, to be sure you could not, but I had never thought of that before. That would have been too dreadful. What an escape! Dear Miss Woodhouse, I would not give up the pleasure and honor of being intimate with you for anything in the world. This recalls our discussion of the social class issue 
from the previous podcast. Because Robert Martin is in a position that is below Emma's class, but not so far below as to be dependent on her for any kind of assistance, there would be no possibility of social interaction. The marriage proposal is refused, and note that by the end of the chapter, Harriet now has aspirations beyond her own social class. Chapter 8 is another debate chapter when Mr. Knightley and Emma clash on this very topic. Mr. Knightley is in a very cheerful mood and tells Emma that her friend Harriet is about to receive some very good news, not knowing that Emma knows all about it and has had a hand in it. We learn that Mr. Martin had consulted Mr. Knightley, and although Mr. Knightley has had some personal qualms about Harriet, he had begun to feel that Harriet might be a good match for Mr. Martin and has advised him accordingly. Mr. Knightley speaks very highly of Mr. Martin. I never hear better sense from anyone than Robert Martin. He always speaks to the purpose, open, straightforward, and very well judging. He is an excellent young man. I had no hesitation in advising him to marry. He proved to me that he could afford it, and that being the case, I was convinced he could not do better. I praised the fair lady, too, and altogether sent him away very happy, end quote. Mr. Knightley feels that he has done a real favor for Mr. Martin, who is one of his tenant farmers. Emma reveals to Mr. Knightley that Mr. Martin did write and was refused. Mr. Knightley is astonished but pressing her. When Emma admits that she saw the answer, Mr. Knightley sees through her evasion. You saw her answer. You wrote her answer too. Emma, this is your doing. You persuaded her to refuse him. They proceed to argue about the relative standing of the two parties involved. When Emma says that Mr. Martin is a very respectable young man, but I cannot admit him to be Harriet's equal, Mr. Knightley expresses his astonishment. No, he is not her equal indeed, for he is as much her superior in sense as in situation. What are Harriet Smith's claims, either of birth, nature, or education, to any connection higher than Robert Martin? She is the natural daughter of nobody knows whom, with probably no settled provision at all, and certainly no respectable relations. She is known only as parlor boarder at a common school. She is not a sensible girl, nor a girl of any information. She is pretty, and she is good-tempered, and that is all. The advantage of the match I felt to be all on her side, end quote. Emma is outraged at this, feeling that he has misjudged Harriet. In fact, both of them has misjudged, with each being too harsh on the other's favorite. Mr. Knightley thinks less of Harriet than perhaps he should, and Emma, in turn, thinks less of Mr. Martin than she should. Mr. Knightley points out to Emma that she has done Harriet no favors, and that despite Emma's claim that Harriet is the daughter of a gentleman, there is no evidence of that. He argues that Harriet was left in the care of Mrs. Goddard, and that her room and board were paid for, but there was no involvement by a parent in her upbringing. She was left to her own devices. He accuses Emma of raising Harriet's hopes falsely. 
Till you chose to turn her into a friend, her mind had no distaste for her own set, nor any ambition beyond it. She was as happy as possible with the Martins in the summer. She had no sense of superiority then. If she has it now, you have given it. You have been no friend to Harriet Smith, Emma. Robert Martin would never have proceeded so far if he had not felt persuaded of her not being disinclined to him. End quote. Mr. Knightley feels that Emma has not only destroyed Harriet's present hopes, but possibly damaged her future hopes as well. You will puff her up with such ideas of her own beauty and of what she has a claim to that, in a little while, nobody within her reach will be good enough for her. Vanity working on a weak head produces every sort of mischief. In other words, no one will want to be connected with Harriet, is what he's saying. When Emma lets slip the fact that she has Mr. Elton in mind for Harriet, Mr. Knightley says, Depend upon it, Elton will not do. Elton is a very good sort of man and a very respectable vicar of Highbury, but not at all likely to make an imprudent match. He knows the value of a good income as well as anybody. Elton may talk sentimentally, but he will act rationally. He is as well acquainted with his own claims as you can be with Harriet's. He knows that he is a very handsome young man and a great favorite wherever he goes. And from his general way of talking in unreserved moments, when there are only men present, I am convinced that he does not mean to throw himself away. I have heard him speak with great animation of a large family of young ladies that his sisters are intimate with who have all 20,000 pounds apiece. Emma is rather distraught at this. She tries to laugh it off, but in reality, she is upset at being this much at odds with Mr. Knightley. At the beginning of chapter 9, we learn that their quarrel has had some consequences. Mr. Knightley is upset enough about the encounter that it is quite a while until he comes to Hartfield again. But much of the chapter is devoted to a much more amusing episode when Emma decides to help improve her young friend. The reading and conversation has not progressed too far beyond a few initial chapters and the intention of going further the next day, which is reminiscent of Emma's own inability to see projects through to their conclusion the pair decide to collect and transcribe some riddles and charades, which are games of wordplay. According to Francis Ferguson, who writes in the Longman Cultural Edition of Emma, quote, charades are word puzzles in which one guesses at the individual syllables and then combines them to make the whole word. Here we see Harriet's lack of wit in a quite comical fashion. Harriet and Emma have collected charades from various people. The first of these is, My first doth affliction denote, which my second is destined to feel, and my whole is the best antidote, that affliction to soften and heal. Individually, the first two lines refer to woe and man, and when combined, they form the word woman. This is the scheme of these charades. The most amusing one is one that Mr. Elton has provided. My first displays the wealth and pomp of kings, lords of the earth, 
their luxury and ease, another view of man my second brings. Behold him there, the monarch of the seas. But ah, united, what reverse we have. Man's boasted power and freedom all are flown. Lord of the earth and sea, he bends a slave and woman, lovely woman reigns alone. Thy ready wit the word will soon supply. May its approval beam in that soft eye. The first hint refers to the word court. My first displays the wealth and pomp of kings. And the second, the monarch of the seas, refers to ship, with the result when the words are combined being courtship. Emma immediately understands the meaning. She is used to these sort of puzzles after all. Meanwhile, Harriet was puzzling over the paper in all the confusion of hope and dullness. While Emma is looking fondly at her little friend and thinking about how Mr. Elton must have written this for Harriet's benefit, Harriet very comically is guessing randomly. What can it be, Miss Woodhouse? What can it be? I have not an idea. I cannot guess it in the least. What can it possibly be? Do try to figure it out, Miss Woodhouse. Do help me. I never saw anything so hard. Is it Kingdom? I wonder who the friend was, and who could be the young lady. Do you think it is a good one? Can it be woman? And woman, lovely woman, reigns alone. Can it be Neptune? Behold him there, the monarch of the seas. Or a trident? Or a mermaid? Or a shark? Oh no, shark is only one syllable. It must be very clever, or he would not have brought it. Oh, Miss Woodhouse, do you think we shall ever find it out? So Harriet is guessing randomly about Neptune, mermaids, tridents, and sharks, and not even getting close to the answer, Emma tries to tell her that the two lines, thy ready wit, the word will soon supply, may its approval beam in that soft eye, is directed toward Harriet expressing Mr. Elton's admiration. You and Mr. Elton are one as clever as the other. Of course, this is most ironic, as Harriet is anything but clever, as she has certainly revealed in this chapter. Mr. Woodhouse also tries to contribute to the collection, but all he can remember is the opening line, Kitty, a fair but frozen maid. This is an allusion to a charade that is sometimes given as referring to its answer, chimney sweep, but there have been a number of bawdier alternatives proposed, which is perhaps why Mr. Woodhouse is unable to remember it. The chapter closes with a discussion between Emma and her father of the upcoming visit of her sister and her brother-in-law, Mr. John Knightley, and their children. Mr. Woodhouse is concerned that their father and uncle are too rough with them and are apt to toss them up to the ceiling in a very frightful way which is something that the children particularly enjoy.